Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Well, I'm going to be sharing with you tonight something that I feel like that the Lord has laid upon my heart. Uh, and I'm going to be talking to you about building a healthy uh, self-esteem self-image, whatever you want to call it, because God wants every one of us to see ourselves the way that He sees us. Now, the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, and we're not to be full of pride in that kind of thing, and because some people see that in the Word of God, they think that to be humble means to put themselves down, but that's not true, because God didn't die, Jesus didn't die for nobodies. He died for some Body, and that is you and me, and that is for sure. And so, you know, we can uh, think about all kinds of things. What, what is really uh, a healthy self-image? Uh, really, your self-image, what that really means uh, is uh, uh, what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself and what you see about you. That's really what self-image is all about. It's the conception that you have in your own self about you. You see, uh, sometimes what we perceive ourselves to be is not really true. I remember, I've had two children, and I remember after um, I had my daughter, my first child, and I, I made a decision. I'm not going to keep all that baby weight on. I'm going to get that off. And so uh, I did, and I, I was very diligent about getting it off. And so I remember I was going to go buy clothes, and I was looking at the wrong size, and I remember Eddie was with me and he said, you can't wear that. That's too big for you. And I, no, 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 I can wear that. This is my size. You know why? Because I was still perceiving myself uh, the way that I was before I lost the weight. But that's how I was seeing myself. See, don't you understand that people with eating disorders, uh, uh, anorexia, uh, bulimia, don't you understand that they don't see themselves the way they really are? They can look in a mirror, somebody that weighs uh, uh, 80 or 90 pounds, and what do they see? They see someone that is much larger, much bigger than what they really are. And see, they can even be to the point of death, but they have a perception of themselves that is skewed and not right. Well, you may, even as God's child, have a misconception about what you really are, who you really are, and what you really look like, spiritually speaking. You understand that? And so God wants us to have the right kind of self-image, and He wants us to have the right kind of self-esteem, healthy self-esteem. And it's not bad to see yourself the way that God sees you. It is good. It is positive. Now, if you're full of pride, you think you're better than everybody else, that's not what I'm talking about. You're off on the wrong track right there. But God wants us to see ourselves as He sees us. And I tell you, when I look at my own children, you know what I see? I see two kids that I love more than anything else. I see two kids that may have uh, things that I wish were different, but when I see them, I'm full of eyes of love. I'm not trying to judge them, pick them apart. Now, I'll guide them as a parent. I'll point things out to them just like the Heavenly Father will. But I do not pick my children apart and try to destroy their self-image and self-esteem. And 
I'm going to tell you, neither does your heavenly Father, neither, neither does the Lord Jesus, neither does the Holy Spirit. He's got a good plan for us, doesn't he? Amen. Building a healthy self-image or self-esteem is a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but it is a process. We have to learn what contributes to a healthy self-image or self-esteem. There are things that, that contribute to, to uh, causing us to flourish and be what God wants us to be. But on the other hand, we have to learn what we need to change that has been negative, that's been sown uh, into our life. There's patterns that we have adapted that are negative and they have to be changed. See, so we have to know what we need to do to build the healthy self-esteem, and then we have to know uh, how that we undo the negative patterns that have been placed in our life. Now, negative patterns can uh, come into our life through people who've been harsh with us, who've been critical, uh, who criticize, who do pick us apart, and it can be parents. I don't think that parents do that on purpose to you. As a parent, I wouldn't, but I do know that I've made mistakes in parenting just like every one of us in this room that has, you know. But, but there are things that possibly that your parents have done that has contributed uh, to sowing a, a negative pattern uh, for your self-esteem and self-image, and that has to be changed. Amen? Now... It can come through um, uh, abuse. You know, many times in the society that we live in, how many times do you read about, hear about uh, uh, children that are abused? people that are abused. And it can be it can be verbal abuse. Folks, you know that saying, and you know, when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words, the Bible says, go down into your spirit and cut at the very person that you are. Words uh, 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 hinder us from becoming what God wants us to do. You may have had a teacher and that teacher may have said something to you that got you off track that began to sow that negative pattern uh, in your life and how you see yourself. I remember I had a teacher like that and I could tell you her name and everything but I won't do that but I was in the fourth grade and I can remember that uh, that she said some things to me that I was a, that little kid, and and it really it cut me to my heart, and I began to see myself in a light that wasn't correct. It was incorrect, but I thought because that teacher didn't approve of me because of the things that she said to me that I was inferior in some way, and you see, I, I went through a long period of time in believing that. But, you know, the changes can come. I saw it at a particular time in my life, and I began to change it. Now, I'll say this. It wasn't something that changed my life, but it was, it was something that was said to me that did have an impact at that particular time. You see, and if you have enough instances that happen to you like that, then it can make a difference. It can make a difference. Then some people, they're sexually abused. And, you know, they think, well, I'm no good. You know, it was my fault and all of that. But you see, that's only the plan of the devil to destroy your life. And that's a negative pattern that was put in there, and it can be changed. There is hope for people who've been abused, no matter what kind, emotional, physical, sexual, uh, it, it, uh, verbal. Whatever kind of abuse has been uh, 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 just 
forwarded into your life. You know, it's just like catching, you know, a ball. You know, the ball comes and you caught it. And, and it's the response, you know, just to, to catch that ball. Well, that may have come into your life and you might have caught it, but you don't have to hold on to it. You can drop that thing. You can throw it from your life and you don't have to be stopped by that. So... It's not a thing of saying that we're all perfect. We all have a great self-esteem. When we come into Christ, we come in with problems. We come in with difficulties. We come in with a mess in our life many times. And God, just like uh, David's army, who was a misfit army, God takes them and turns them into mighty men of valor. You know, when I look out here tonight, you know what I see? Mighty men and women of valor. I don't see someone who's going through through a divorce, who's gone through a divorce, who's devastated, whose children are rebellious, even though all of that and much, much more may be going on, but I see God's people. I see the army of the living God rising up in the strength of Jesus Christ. And aren't you so glad that that is available to us tonight? Amen? So we have to know that building a healthy self-image is a process, and we have to learn what contributes to the healthy self-esteem, and we have to capitalize on that. We have to buy into that, and then we have to see that certain things have to be changed in our life that are unhealthy, negative patterns, and get them out. Amen? Now, self-esteem also means having a, a, a self-respect. You need to respect yourself. You know what? We live in a, a day and an age where uh, uh, everything we see, television, the movies, it's all disrespectful. Uh, teaching our kids disrespect, rudeness, crudeness, and all that kind of thing. But see, that's not God's plan because the Bible says love, God's love, the agape kind of love is not rude and crude. And I tell you what that does is it teaches uh, a disrespect, disrespect for people, uh, others, and a disrespect for yourself. And that's not God's plan. You need to respect who you are because you are made in the image of God, because you are a child of the living God. Well, but this, and I'm that, and I did this, and I did that. You know what? God knows every bit of that. He knows every bit of it. We have all failed in some way, but He loved us anyway. It is amazing that He could love somebody like us with all of our problems, with all of our shortcomings, but He still loves us anyway. So we need to respect ourselves because He respects us. Amen? If, the, if you don't for any other reason, do it because God respects you. He respects your right to make decisions. He respects your right to make wrong decisions even. You know? If you want to make a wrong decision, He'll let you do it. He respects you enough to let you do that. You see, we as human beings, we want to tell everybody what to do. We want to point out all their shortcomings and, uh, you know, well, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to do this. Well, there's a time for that sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we just need to butt out and let God and that person deal with that and not try to be God, you know? Now, God will tell you when you need to speak up and say something, you know, but we don't need to try to be the boss of everybody. Well, you're not the boss of me. That's right. That's what we say as little kids, isn't it, to our, uh, to our siblings. You're not the boss of me. Well, sometimes when we think we grow up spiritually, we want to be the boss of everybody. But that's not what God has told us to do. We need to respect people enough to let them make their own decisions. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord.
Okay, so how can we acquire a healthy attitude about ourselves? How can we get and acquire a healthy attitude? You want me to tell you? It's very simple. It's very simple, but you would think it's very complicated. It comes through this book right here. This book will give you an image for your life. It will tell you who you are. It will tell you what you are to do. It will tell you how you are to do it. See, that's what this book is all about. Now, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to James chapter number 1. And we're going to look here. James chapter number 1 and verse number 22. It says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Well, the devil deceived me. No. He said that there's a time in your life, in my life, where we deceive our own selves. It wasn't the devil. We deceived our own selves. And when does that happen? When we are not doers of the word. When we only hear the word and we don't do it. We deceive our own selves. It is not the devil that deceived us. It's not a preacher or someone that we go to church with. It is we ourselves. We all have opportunity to hear the word of God and then do the word of God. You see, a person who only hears is just getting part of it. It's not what you hear only. It's what you hear and what you do about what you hear. Okay? For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway he forgets what manner he was. In other words, this is what it means. How many of you know when it says he beholds himself in a glass that he's talking about a mirror? Now, I have relatives, and they would always talk about the mirror being a looking glass. Anybody have relatives that call it a looking glass? Maybe you do that. But, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about here that we take the Word of God and we behold ourselves in the Word of God. We see the image that we're supposed to be. We see what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it. We see all of that, but we turn and go, and we forgot what it said. We forgot how it told us to live, what it said that we were in Christ Jesus. We forget that. We go our way and just go on and forget what it said here. And that's what he's talking about. For he says he beholds or he looks at himself and then he goes his way and straightway he forgets what manner of man he is. You are a manner of man that is accepted in the beloved. You are a manner of man uh, that God says, now are you the sons of God. That's what kind of man you are. But you see, many times we see it in the word and then we go and we forget it. And, and I shared this before. The world has a mirror for Christians or for anybody else. And the world's mirror uh, will show you an image. This is the way you're supposed to dress. This is what you're supposed to act like. This is the, uh, the way uh, uh, your appearance should be. This is the way that you should treat others. This is what you should think about yourself. If you're too heavy, you're not good. If you're not as bright as someone else, you're not as good. That's the image, the mirror that the world has for you and me. 
But you know what? That's not the mirror that God said that we're to look in. Now it's out there and everywhere you go, there'll be a mirror that tells you, do this, act like that, do this, do that. It'll be there to tell you. But this is why we must be uh, uh, children of God that stick to the Word of God. This is why you need a steady diet of the Word of God. So every day you can look into the mirror and the things that you're facing and what you're going through, you can see it in here and you can become what it says that you're supposed to do. You can conform, if you will, to the image that's in the mirror of God, in the looking glass of God, rather than conforming to the image that the world has out there for us. The Bible says, be transformed. Be transformed. Go from being one thing to the other. That's what, you remember the, uh, the, my son had the transformers and you know you'd start out and they'd look one way, they'd look like a machine or something and the next time you'd move all the parts around and they would become like a man. Okay, God says, I want to transform you. I want to take you in that stage of being the way the world has shaped and molded you into. And when you look into the mirror of my word, I'm going to shape you and mold you and you're going to be like a different person. You remember the Bible said uh, 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 for, uh, in the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to shape you into another man. I think it was talking about Saul. I'm going to make you into another man. And that's what God does. We come into the kingdom of God and we get molded and shaped. If we allow Him to, you see some people come into the kingdom of God and they never get the right image. They never get uh, to the place to where they allow God to shape and mold their life. And they spend years in Christianity, but it never happens. But you know, that's a sad state of affair. But I'm going to tell you, if you come to church here, uh, that's not going to happen if you want to change. Because we're going to give you a steady diet of the Word of God. And through that Word and looking into that mirror, you can become what it says that you can. I like that song that we, can, uh, that we sing sometimes. <clears throat> he can take a nobody and He can make somebody. You understand that people can look at a child of God and not see what God has placed in there. But the Holy Spirit sees it. And, and, and Christian leaders see in individuals that, that treasure that God's placed there. And so that's why God has put pastors in the church to, to help shape and mold and, and make uh, the people what they need to be. Now, we can't do it in ourselves, but I'm talking about through the preaching of the Word of God and through the instruction of the Word of God. Amen? And so we can see that we've got to look into the mirror. And when we behold that image in the mirror, when we turn and go, we can't look to the mirror of the world. We've got to continue remembering what we look like in God's mirror. Amen? Now, listen to verse number 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... How many of you know what the perfect law of liberty is? That's the Bible. 
Whosoever looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed in my deed, don't you? Some people think that the scripture binds you up, but here it says it's a perfect law that brings liberty into your life. How, how is that? God sets up uh, 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 boundaries in our life, and if we live within those boundaries, that doesn't mean he restricts. That means he knows that there's danger out beyond the boundaries. And if we'll live inside those boundaries, we have perfect liberty. You get outside of that where the devil is, where the demons of hell are, and that's where you're going to be in bondage. That's where you're going to be restricted. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, the scripture is a mirror for us. And what we look in the mirror and see, and it can be related to so many things. He's, the Bible talks about so many different things. And if we will behold ourselves as He sees us, then we will become what the mirror shows us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The scripture says in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, it says, now are we the sons of God. Now, right now, you're not going to be a son of God when you mature in the faith and when you learn all the books of the Bible and when you can uh, quote lots of scripture. He says, now, you come into the kingdom of God, now are you the sons of God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God didn't send Jesus to die for nobodies. Now are you a son of God. Say right now, right now. I am a son of God. You might be a daughter, but it, you know what I'm talking about. So God has showered us with incredible love. Incredible love. That's beyond human comprehension. That's how he loves you tonight. Well, yeah, but you don't know. He knows, but he still loves you anyway. Now, if you're a person who lives in sin, you're not going to get you're not going to uh, get the benefit of being a child of God because he says if you habitually sin, you don't know God. You might be saying that you do, but you have separated yourself just by habitually sinning. But if we just mess up, miss it from time to time, that doesn't mean that he kicks us out of his house. We are now the sons of God, and we are forgiven of all the past. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Okay. So we must believe what God says about us. We must believe it. And w listen, it's not just enough to believe it. Now I'm a son of God. Yes, in your mind, I just believe it. I believe it. Talk about it. Now am I a son of God. Now am I a son of God. Right now, I'm a child of God. He loves me. He's not mad at me. I'm not an enemy to God. He loves me. Amen? Amen. So you got to say the right kind of things. Now, a lot of times why people can't accept God's love is because they don't love themselves. Right. You've got to love yourself. You say, well, that just sounds prideful to me. Love, Matthew, love your neighbor. Okay, I, you know, we've got to love our neighbors. Love your neighbor, and I will continue this verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's saying, love yourself. Love yourself. 
Don't think more highly than you ought to think about yourself, but love yourself. Oh, I could never love myself. I hate the way I look. Uh, you know, I, my teeth, uh, you know, my skin, my weight, my height. You know, here we go. We, you know, accept who you are. You know, I, there's things I don't like about myself. But you know what? I don't hate myself. I don't beat myself up. And God doesn't want us to. Change what you can. You can change things. And, and that's how you build it. Start building a healthy self-esteem by changing the things that you can. Well, you can get the right amount of sleep, can't you? You can eat the right kind of food, can't you? Well, I don't know. Yes, you can. You can do things to help your appearance. If you feel bad about yourself, do some things to help your appearance. Get a new haircut, men and women. You know, I, when men get all that shaggy hair, you know, you know, where they don't get it cut and it's out their ears and their <laughs> nose and, and on their back. Now, men are not liking me for saying that. I'm only kidding. I can say something about women too. But I won't. Because <laughs> you already know it anyway. No, I'm only teasing. But there are things that you can do with your appearance. You know, as you get older, women and men, you know, and you're not a teenager anymore. There's things you need to do. There's things, you, the way you can dress. You know, I learned certain colors look better on certain shapes. That's true. Certain styles look better on certain bodies. Well, you say, now, men, I don't want to hear that. No, that's for you too. You can learn how to dress better. And you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, you may, you may need to start where you can about doing some things to improve. Why do we come to church and not look like we're mowing the lawn? Because, number one, we have respect for the house of God. Number two, we ought to have respect for ourselves. Isn't that true? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to have expensive clothes. But you know what it does mean? It means everybody do the best you can. If, you got, if all you got is a pair of blue jeans, buddy, you just wash those blue jeans, you press those blue jeans, you wear those blue jeans, and you look good in those blue jeans. You know what I'm saying? So see, in our church, we have the rich and the poor. They meet together. And that's right. And, the, and, and no, I, we don't want people feeling pressure. Well, you have to look like this. And you have to do... No, we just say, do the best you can. Do the best you can. And you, you'll have respect for the house of God. And you'll have respect for yourself. Well, that doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I believe it's just like cleaning up your house. Or I believe it's like cleaning up your car. Some of you, you need to get the shovel and go get, you know, into the closets of the house and into the back seat of your car and start unloading it. Why? It'll help your self-image. You think better about yourself than to live in a filthy, nasty house. You think better about yourself than driving around an old, dirty car. Now, I tell you, Eddie tells you about me and my car. I am taking something all the time, back and forth and back and forth. He said, I've never seen anybody that has so much stuff, but it's true. I mean, we're always building around here. We're always, you know, doing, I've got this project going on. I've got that project going on. So, you know, my car stays full of stuff, but it is not full of dirt. Amen. 
And it does get all that stuff out from time to time, and then it just gets filled back up again. So I understand that. And I understand that in your home, you know, you live in your house. And it looks like you live in it. But you know what? A little clutter, uh, I said a little, a little clutter is one thing. But filth and dirt and mess and disorganization to where you cannot find anything in your house and it causes strife in your house because you're trying to hurry in the morning to get the kids off to school and the husband off to work or whatever and nobody can find anything because your house is a mess. You see? And what does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with how you see yourself. If you think as a child of God, that you should live in a, a filthy, nasty mess, then you've got the wrong self-image. You don't have the right one. You don't. And I'm telling you, I, I believe that. I believe you ought to clean up, and you ought to clean up what you have. And you ought to look like a child of God, and you ought to act like a child of God. You say, well, if you come to my house right now, you'd be... Well, I just might pay you a, a visit. What about that? <laughs> All right, I, that's the truth. I, I've heard so many times, I think it was Brother Hagen, he'd go into the homes and of his pastor, you know, people maybe that were looking to him as their pastor, and he'd go in there and pull out the sock drawer and pull out this drawer. You know, he could tell them a lot about themselves through that. And you really can. You really can. Now, we're not to be perfectionists. That's not what God's calling us to be. But we ought to act like we're the children of God. And if you get offended at me, you'll get over it. You will because this is true. It's all true. Amen? Okay, First uh, John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And the one that is in the world has a mirror for you just like God has a mirror of the Word. The world has a mirror and the devil has a mirror. But now it's the funniest thing about this mirror that the devil has. It's the same mirror that you use for yourself. You know what kind it is? It's a magnifying mirror. <laughs> How many of you have used a magnifying mirror? The first time you look in that, you go, whoa, you know, jump back. It's shocking. Well, you see, the devil, I mean, he's got one of those mirrors that's magnifying, and it's got sides to it, the front and the sides. And what does it do? He is speaking all the time. Well, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? You going over there to that church? You raising your hands during praise and worship? You know, and he's just beating and beating and beating God's children over the head. You know what? We need to rise up, and we need to say, Now am I a son of God. Right now! I'm accepted in the beloved. Right now, the greater one lives on the inside of me. When that mirror is flashed up before you, you get out the mirror of the Word and you see yourself the way that God sees you. But now remember, I said that magnifying mirror, the devil uses it, but you use it on yourself. Who's the most critical of you for the most part? We are more critical of ourselves than other people. For the most part, I'm saying. You know, there are a few people that think there's God's gift to, you know, society or whatever. Just a few, though. Because most of us know who we are. We know our flaws. And we look in the magnifying mirror and we begin to pick at ourselves. 
Betty, I tell you, I fix my eyebrows, you know, I pull out those eyebrows, you know, and I can see them real good in that magnifying mirror. But I see everything else. I see every flaw. And, you know, if I just, uh, if I just dwell on that, my God, I wouldn't even get out of the house anymore. <laughs> I think I scare myself. I know I'll scare everybody else. You see, but that's a false image. And we get more critical of ourselves. And we look in that magnifying mirror and we begin to pick ourselves apart. What we need to say is this, Jesus, I thank you that your word says this and thus about me, that it says these things and that I can become that image. And I don't have to condemn myself. I don't have to live with that guilt hanging over my head. I don't have to live that way, but I can be free from that. Hallelujah. And I know I've got flaws and I know I've got problems, but I'm looking into the mirror of God and I am seeing it and I am doing it and I am becoming what it says that I am to become. Can you say amen? amen. When the enemy flashes out that mirror and begins to show you all your problems and all your shortcomings, you need to answer him back. Well, I just ignore him and he'll go away. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says resist him and he will go. You've got to resist him. But in, uh, in that same scripture, in the, uh, I think it's the book of James, before you resist, you've got to submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil. See, so many people are trying to resist the devil and they're not submitting to God. What does to submit? It means to be under the Lord's leadership, to come under and be obedient to his leadership, which comes back again to the word of God. Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is saying, now you need to tithe. I've already spoken to you about that. You need to be a tither. And you think resisting the devil is going to get you somewhere? No, it will not. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you about loving people, about treating people right, about using your words right with your family, about not striving all the time inside your family, not striving at work and getting into uh, 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 discord with people. Constantly the, the Holy Spirit is dealing with us in those ways. And then we want to get over here, disobey God in that, and get over here and resist the devil and think something's going to happen. No way. <coughs> and then what do we do? Well, God, God really, he must have not meant it that way. No, he meant it that way, but he meant submit that way too. Submit and then resist. You see, Jesus encountered the enemy. And when Jesus encountered him in Luke 4, I think it was, you know, uh, Jesus had been fasting 40 days. And what did the enemy do? He came and tempted him with food. When Jesus was, pro he, was he was just like we are, he got hungry. 40 days with no food. And Satan said, turn these stones into bread if you be who you say that you are. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, he was looking into the mirror to see himself the right way. He didn't have to give in to what the enemy was saying. He could go the way of the word. And we can do the same thing. 
And then, you know, Satan says, you know, just throw yourself off this pinnacle. If you're who you say you are, the angels are going to come. And Jesus said that he couldn't, he wouldn't do that. Why? Why wouldn't he do it? Because he said that you're not supposed to tempt God. Jesus could have done it, but he said, don't tempt. You don't, you're not going to go out here and throw yourself out in front of a, a, you know, a big truck, are you? To see if God's word works. Well, you're not very smart if you do. That's tempting the Lord. That's people who handle snakes. You know, you hear so much about that. Handling, that's tempting the Lord. Why, why would you go to a cage where you keep them and get them out? I tell you what, I believe if I encountered one out in the forest somewhere that God would protect me from that if it bit me. But if I go to a box and pick it up and say, prove it, God, prove it, well, the devil will just take you up on that. You don't tempt God. <laughs> But we've got to answer the devil back. When the devil comes, sticks the magnifying mirror in front of us, you're this, you're that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you answer him back. I am a child of God. I can resist you because I'm submitted to my Father. And you have to flee. You cannot stay. You are the father of lies. You are lying and I don't receive your lies. I receive a higher uh, way, and that is the truth of the Word of God. And you see, you say that, and he has to go. Well, I did it once, and he didn't. Well, no, you didn't, because if you did it the way he said, he has to go. Amen? So we've got to answer the devil back and not just let him get away with so much. Amen? I want to read you a poem. I may be young, I may be old, but I am somebody for I am God's child. I may be educated, I may be unlettered, but I am somebody, I am God's child. I may be black, I may be white, but I am somebody, I am God's child. I may be rich, I may be poor, but I am somebody, I am God's child. I may be fat, I may be thin, but I am somebody. I am God's child. I may be married. I may be divorced, but I am somebody. I am God's child. I may be successful. I may be a failure, but I am somebody. I am God's child. I may be a sinner. I may be a saint, but I am somebody. For Jesus is my Savior, and I am God's child. You see, that says it all right there. It doesn't matter what we are, where we are in life, we are still children of God. And we can be changed into His image. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Now, I, I know that I'm not going to get very far into this, but I want to share with you some basic negative emotions that rob people of their emotional stability and well-being. The first one I want to talk to you about tonight, and it may be the only one that I get into here tonight, is inferiority. Now, that I feel like is one way that the enemy tries to get to God's people as much as anything I know is to try to make 
us feel inferior. Why? Make us feel inferior about the way we're dressed. Make us feel inferior about we don't have as much education as someone else. Make us feel inferior about our jobs. You know, it can be just anything. Making us feel that we are less than what and who we are. We are God's child. And so we don't have to feel inferior. Now, to, uh, to uh, inferiority has everything to do in that being less than someone else. Isn't that what inferiority is about? You see, we as children of God are not less than anyone else. We're all in the kingdom of God. We all have a place where there's different members in the body of Christ. We hold different positions in that body or whatever uh, in different ranks, but nobody is better than anyone else. No one is insignificant. The whole body of Christ is needed. Every member is needed because there's a function that happens in the body. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and this happened many years ago. Um, we had just started this church, and we had been invited to go to a pastor's conference. And so we went to this pastor's conference in another state. And when we got there, you know, uh, we ended up uh, being invited to go uh, to lunch with a group of ministers. Well, when we got there, I felt very out of place because, number one, I didn't know anybody. And, you know, sometimes when you don't know people, that can make you feel inferior because everybody else knows one another, but you don't know those people. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, always make people feel included. Make them feel like they're a part. You know, that's why we do go out of our way in this church to uh, train our people, reach out to newcomers, reach out to new people, treat people with respect and dignity. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter what their age is. It doesn't matter what their race is or any of that. Treat people right. Well... I didn't fit in. Eddie didn't fit in. Here we are. And then besides that, the ladies were dressed uh, just, oh, superbly. They just looked wonderful. And I knew that they had very expensive clothes. And here I am. Now, is, is, are they wrong for being blessed in that way? No. No, they're, they're not. Uh, but I didn't have them. Not only did I not have them, there was no way I could get them because we had started this church. It had been just a, a short period of time, and the way I looked was certainly not the way that they looked. And, you know, I remember those feelings of inferiority. But, you know, it wasn't their fault necessarily. I mean, I think they could have been friendlier or nicer, you know, what I'm talking about. But that wasn't their fault. But, you see, I felt inferior. And I let the enemy beat me up over that for a long period of time. But, you know, I came to the realization it isn't what you wear that makes you what you are. You are what you are based on what's on the inside of you. And I found myself at that particular time, I did the best I could do. You remember I said do the best with what you've got? I was doing the best I could with what I had. And I couldn't do anything else. That was it. But you see that inferiority, it robs you of something possibly that God wanted to do that day with that group of people. You know, there could have been something that 
that he wanted to use me to say or that he wanted them to say to me or whatever. But because of the inferiority that I felt that day, there was nothing like that that could go on. And I had to deal with that for a good period of time after that. And it, I, folks, I'm telling you, it stopped my spiritual growth. It stunted my spiritual growth for a little while. Just that one thing of, you know, just feeling inferior. Well, now, if I was to go around this room today and I was to say, how many of you have been in a situation like that where you felt inferior? Every hand would go up in the place. But you see what I'm trying to say to you today, you don't have to look down on yourself. You don't have to feel inferior to anyone else. Amen. You don't have to. Now, you know, you, you know this, we, we need to know how to carry ourselves before people. You know, if the mayor or the president or somebody is here, you, you know, you just don't go up, well, how are you doing, buddy? You have some respect. Right. You know, you, you need to learn how to treat people. But does it mean because you show respect that they're better than you? It doesn't mean that at all. It just means you know how to carry yourself. You know how to act in the right setting. And so you don't have to be inferior to anybody. Now, what we're talking about is, is uh, 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 basic negative emotions that rob us of our well-being in the Lord. And inferiority is one of those. And we need to come to the place where we see this scripture that I've been talking about in Ephesians 1, that we are accepted in the Beloved. Yeah. We're accepted. We're received in the Lord. If He receives us, what does it matter if other people reject us? He's the most important one. He receives us. That's what being accepted is all about. See, that's what this church is all about. We're accepted in the beloved, and then what do we do? We accept other people. Do we accept sin? Do we accept things that are wrong? No, we're not going to accept that. But anybody who wants to do right and live right, if they come into here, we're going to accept them because we're accepted. Amen. We don't accept things that are contrary to the Word of God, but we accept people that Jesus died and gave His life for. We, we receive them. And you see, we are accepted in the beloved. And because we're accepted, we accept others. And so therefore, inferiority has no place with the child of God. Can you say, no place? No place. Inferiority uh, is uh, something that will destroy your life. You are a somebody. If you just let it go and go and go, inferiority will rob you. See, I tell you what inferiority do, does too. Uh, it, it makes you paranoid. Well, they're looking at me. They don't like what I have on. They didn't like what I said. They don't like my clothes or my hairdo or whatever, you know, it can just go. They don't like what I'm dressed. What does it matter? Don't, I tell you, love thinks the best. Love thinks they love what I have on. They love what I said. If you say wrong things, then acknowledge it. But don't live there saying, well, I, now I messed up and I can't ever say anything again when I get around that person. No, you don't have to live there. 
and don't become paranoid. You see, what happens is we get that inferiority complex, if you will, then everybody that we get around, well, they don't like me, they don't like me. What do we do? We just build this wall where we can't have relationships, where nobody can get around us because we're always thinking that they're thinking negative things. I'm not living there. They may, think, they may think, think negative things. They may not like me, but you know what? I'm going to act like they do because I'm not living there. I'm not going to be paranoid. You know, doing what we do in ministry, there's so many people, and they're very vocal too. They don't like what you do. They don't like what you say. They don't like what you drive. They don't like where you live. They don't like your buildings. They don't like your television program. They don't like anything. You know what? I'm just oblivious to all that. I think everybody loves me. I'm not, gonna, I'm not living that way. I'm not living that way. I'm not going to be paranoid. Who's the next one that's going to be the traitor? I'm not living that way. Love believes the best. And that's what we need to do. We need to get rid of inferiority. We need to see ourselves as a child of the living God. Now are we the sons of God. We are received and accepted in the beloved. And if He accepts us, what does it matter if no one else does? Now are we the sons of God. Amen? I've got so many more things that I could say. But I really don't have time to do that. But I just want us to realize and to know that Jesus cares about your life. He cares about what you think about yourself. Now I'm going to tell you, what you think about you will determine, in many cases, what you do for Him. If you see yourself in the reflection of the world and the reflection of what the devil tells you, that you're a failure, you messed up, you can never do any good, you know, you, uh, uh, you've had an abortion, you've got uh, several divorces, uh, you've lived with someone, you've got children out of wedlock. I mean, it can just go on. I can never, you know, I can never, I can never. Those are lies of the devil. I'm not going to say that things won't maybe um, change direction in your life because of things that are happening because, you know, these things do play out and there are consequences for them, but you don't have to live uh, with the, uh, the inferiority of you'll never, you know, be as good as someone else. You'll never be able to accomplish what someone else could. You let God determine that. You and God determine that because He said the greater one lives on the inside of you. You let Him determine that. And don't let your own condemnation and the devil's condemnation and inferiority determine that. You are a somebody. You are a child of God. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.